0: we're going to jump right in. We're in a a series called Follow Me. And the whole idea behind this is that, um, and we cover this in week one, which you can find these all online. Um, Week one, we cover the idea that disciples follow Jesus. And if you're not following Jesus, then you're probably not a disciple. That may be painful for someone to hear, but that's the truth. The disciples follow. If you don't follow the one that you call Lord and Savior, then you probably aren't his. Um, last week we talked about this idea that the disciples do what Jesus said, which is going to be really foundational in everything else we say, because, uh, or everything else we cover in the weeks to come, because it's what he says that we're going to end up doing. And we looked at the story um, of Jesus turning water into wine and the idea that when Jesus asks you to do something, uh, a lot of times it doesn't make sense. Uh, it didn't make sense to get water when you need wine, but uh, Jesus had a better plan, and our obedience to that better plan typically allows us to see God move in mighty and powerful ways. And so this week, we're going to talk about this. This is my one thing, is, um, and you, we might not like to see this, this, might be a little painful, is disciple? a disciple walks in and with humility. Oh, humility. So let me, let, me, let me get this party started. We love to talk about others' lack of humility. Bring it up, maybe internally mostly. Uh, others bring it up to you know, their closest confidants. Did you see so-and-so? Did you see how they handled this? Did you see? Especially if you know that they go to church or that they're a Christian, you, you just love to point at I it. If I ever point in any direction, they're like, oh, what did I do? Uh, it was not intentional... Um, you know, but we love to, like, point out others' faults and failures as it relates to what they should be. Because we know what others should be like as they follow Jesus, but we rarely, if ever, like to talk with or deal with our lack of humility, which is really the only thing that we can deal with. We cannot really deal with others' lack of humility. Because if they're not there telling them that they're not humble or they're acting out in ways they shouldn't, probably won't go very well. And so we're going to look at this through the lens of a text of Scripture that if you've been in church longer than a minute, you've probably heard. If you grew up, you probably have had awkward moments of this being worked out, which I'll get to in just a second. So today won't be any easier than the two things that we've covered so far, because if we are disciples of Jesus, we are to, we're called to act and to walk like he did. Listen to this. In 1 John 2, 6, it says, Whoever says he abides in him, talking about Jesus, ought to walk the same way which he walked. Which he's going to have a very clear um, point of just saying, Hey, I did it. You should do likewise. And that's what our life should be like. And so today, is Jesus is going to, in an awkward way, show his disciples what it means to walk and live in humility. Um, so before we get into the text, let's pray. Lord, um, I confess for those in this room that uh, there's probably things stirring in our brains right now, painful things, things that we're or uh, ways that we're not walking in humility, ways that we're not. And Lord, I just pray uh, the peace that passes understanding that your Holy, Spirit's, Holy Spirit brings to your children, I pray that you would pour that in this room. That we would see your word today not as a condemnation of what we're not doing and, and this just feeling even more condemned by our lack of fill-in-the-blank, But Lord, I pray that we would see today's text as an inspiration to follow you. Because if you did it, and you called us to do it, it will benefit us and others as we walk into it. So let your words speak with power and truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. Last words are important. Um, we hope our last words, our last kind of things that we pass on before we leave this earth, you know, we want them to be, you know, words of, you know, a weight. Like, oh, man, that was a nugget. Thank- thankfully, grandma, grandpa, man, they just laid it on here. But um, I would say the last words of Jesus are, are probably even more important because he, well, not probably, they are even more important because he knew the time was coming which we'll see in the first part of this text. He knew that the cross was coming, and what he said leading up to that had a lot of value. Not that things before that didn't have value, but leading up to this place, there's even more gravity, even more weight into what he said. So we're at the beginning of one of Jesus' last conversations with his disciples. And before he teaches them, he does something unheard of. He washes... Their feet, and that's the text. If you've been in church, you're like, where's the bowl? Is he going to make me come up there? Is he going to wash my feet today? Uh, I learned my lesson as a youth pastor, washing feet. I don't do that anymore to people that aren't in my household. And, you know, I thought, man, this is going to be a visual illustration. I'm going to call a teenage boy up and I'm going to wash his feet in front of every I'm going to demonstrate the Lord. And let me just tell you peeling off socks that probably haven't been changed in a week. I've just learned let's just let's just leave it at I've learned my lesson. So feel free your shoes will stay on today. You will not be awkwardly called up front for me to wash your feet. But just think about the smell of that. And I think as we get into this, I'll I'll talk about the feet of the disciples a little bit. But let's jump in. Uh, John 13, uh, starting in verse 1, and it'll be on the screen behind me. If you've got your Bibles, I always encourage you to have it open uh, so you can look at it, uh, make notes, highlight things to look at later. So verse 1, it says, Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world he loved them to the end during supper when the devil had already put into the heart of judas iscariot simon's son to betray him jesus knowing that the father had given him all things into his hands and that he had come from the father and was going back to god or he had come from god and was going back to god and I think understanding this first little bit, and, and you look at this and, and go, okay, you know, we're not talking about feet washing yet, but I think this is a, is a key part for humility. Because if we don't get this, like Jesus got it, we won't do humility well at all. We'll do false humility, we'll do humility that other people will think is great, but really, in our heart, it is not good. It's soiled. It's, it, it, it's, you know, it's less. And so here's what's going on. Here's what Jesus is saying right now. He knows who He is. Like there's no identity like I need to serve so people will love me and I'll feel better about myself. Jesus knows exactly where He came from, who He is, and where He's going. Knowing your identity matters because if you don't know your identity in Christ, Humility will be something that you manufacture, not something that God is working in and through you. Jesus was not confused about who He was, so when He walked into this, there was, there was no doubt what was going on, and He explains it a little bit. So He said uh, that He had come from God, and He's going back to God, and He rose from supper. And Man, the disciples have been around Jesus. They've seen miraculous. They've seen things that would blow your mind. It would blow our mind, even in our culture of, um, of, of special effects and all these things that we've seen on film and stuff. I mean, it would be amazing. And, I mean, this is the guy. They've given up everything to follow. They've seen him raise the dead. They've seen him cleanse lepers. They've seen him do all of these. They've seen him take few um, bread and loaves and break them into multitudes and feed all these people. They've seen him do walk on water. And he does something So unusual. So he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garment, taking a towel. He tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Talking about an awkward moment. My awkward moment of washing a student's feet in youth group has nothing on Jesus laying... I mean, this is... Peter has confessed him to be the Christ, the Messiah, the coming king. And the coming king takes off his outer garment. He wraps a towel around his waist. And I'm sure they're like, ooh, what's he getting ready to do? He's getting water. He's pouring it into the bowl. Could you imagine as he he goes to the first disciple and gets on his knee? And they're like, the first one wasn't Peter. We're going to talk about Peter in just a second. But the person was probably so shocked he didn't know what to say. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't oh, oh, okay. Oh, he's taking off my sandal. Oh, my gosh. The creator of the universe is, is touching my feet. He's got a ball. He's getting white. And can you imagine what's going through their mind as they're seeing this? As they they see the one they worship on the floor, washing feet. And and like I said, going back to the high school boys' feet, like, I'll take a socked, dirty foot any day over a sandaled, open-toe, dirt road walking. And they, they weren't dealing with, like, pollution in the sense that we do with these cars and these fumes. They had animals that walked up and down the road, and they had... You know, so even the poop that you didn't see, it had dried up and ground into the dirt. I mean, it was there. And their feet were filled with, I mean, they were, it wasn't like, oh man, this stinky sock. Oh, that's so gross. I'm talking about a dirty, nasty feet. And Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, is putting his pure, clean hands, the rabbi, Who in their mind, their whole society, the rabbi is always about being clean and pure, and he's washing my feet. Now, this wasn't a job for, this wasn't a job of honor. Like, maybe like, oh man, like maybe the host of the party does this. This was for the slaves to do. This, this was not something like you picked the wrong straw if this was your job at the party. You've done something really wrong for this to be it. And so in verse 6, it says, He came to Simon Peter. So we don't know if he's watched one or two or three or maybe several people before he gets to Simon Peter. But Peter cannot control his mouth. He cannot. And so he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, <laughs> and I imagine it in a very awkward light, <laughs> Lord, do you do you do you wash my feet? Question mark. Like, hey Peter, you have seen me do it once. I'm going down the line. You know what's happening. And Jesus answered him, "What I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Understand. See this this meaning. You'll understand later. You don't get what I'm doing right now. And this is, I think, what like tying back into last week with this idea that disciples listen to Jesus even when they don't understand. He's like, he's doing something that you don't understand. And, And Peter wants to, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more in depth, Peter wants to ask for less or more of what Jesus is determined to do. And Peter said to him, you shall never... Wash my feet. Peter's like, you dumb disciples that let our master do that to your feet. Not me. Because I love Jesus too much. I'm not going to have him do this. And so he, with confidence, tells Jesus what he is not going to do when he's determined to do something. Which, there. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Oh, he just raised the bar okay 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 I, it, it's almost like jesus going okay i won't wash your feet but if i don't wash your feet you're out so peter goes from like you'll never to like the other end of the spectrum in verse 9 he's, simon peter said to him, lord okay lord not my feet only but also my hands and my head. It just, just like, okay, okay, like you know, I want to, I want to be really in. Like I don't want just the feet. Like just take care of it. And here's something that I just wrote down as I was going through this text. Uh, really, something I want us to hear, me included, because we're all guilty of this. Stop telling Jesus what he should do. Listen and obey. Because we do it, we're guilty of it all the time. No, I'm, I, you see a clear command, you see something, and you're like, "Nope, nope." Or, or you're asking where Jesus saying, "I want you to have this," and you're like, "I want more. I want. I don't want what you. I don't want this. I want more." And Jesus is just saying, "Just, just take what I give you and be okay with it." See, Peter did on both ends. He went from no to do more, which is dangerous. And in verse 10, Jesus said to him, he's going to clarify, um, and it, you may have never heard this before where I'm going to take this, but I, I think this is where the text is going. Um, in verse 10, Jesus said to him, The one who bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. Because if you're taking a bath and you walk down the street, you're, you're clean. Your feet are dirty. You are clean, but not every one of you. He's talking about Jews. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. I found this illustration uh, in one of the commentaries that I was going through on this text. It illustrated it to an Old Testament priest. When the priest was consecrated, he was bathed all over. And that experience was never repeated. However, during his daily ministry, he would become defiled. He would touch something or or, or something would happen that he would have to then fix. So it was necessary that he washed his hands and his feet in the brass bowl in the courtyard. And only then could he enter the holy place and trim the lamps and eat the holy bread or burn the incense. He had been consecrated. And this is what Jesus does with us through the cross. Is he justifies us, makes us righteous before the Father. But we live in this world, and we get dirty. We walk in this world, and we sin. And, and for those that are hoping that one day you'll stop sinning, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm 99.999% sure that that doesn't happen. That we're going to deal. Even when you conquer all the things that you know are sin, I think there's other things in our heart that we aren't even aware of. Pride that looks like humility, that we feel as humility. And Jesus is going, that's pride, because you're, you're prideful that you're humble. But we're in this world, and, and, and we're, we're living with dirty feet, and our dirty feet causes us, I believe, to not walk in humility. Because we know what our sins are, we know what we're going through, that we've hidden from other people, and because we're not willing to deal with that, we're tense. We're agitated, and that tension and agitation comes out on others rudely, aggressively, in anger, because we're frustrated with our own self. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It is a practice that we as disciples have to live in. It never ends. The confession and repentance doesn't end. If you've not confessed or repented in a while, there's an issue. Period. In verse 12, it said, When he had washed their feet, he put on his outer garment and resumed his place. And he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. He wants to make sure you understand, I'm still that person, and that person of high honor just did something a very low honored person would normally do. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Listen to this. If you know these things, and I think we skipped The second part of this. We know them. Because we've been in church and we're like, we know stuff. And we feel blessed because of our knowing. I, I, I love 17. It says, if you know these things, blessed and happy is a word that you can substitute in there. Are you if you do them? I believe... That as disciples, we're called to live in a place where we acknowledge our dirty feet and clean them on a regular basis. Deal with our sin. And I don't think this started a ministry of foot cleaning. Like, like we, we think, like oh, the disciples got there they carried around their tote bag. Oh, I'm going to wash your feet. And it, it became this big thing because we don't see this in any other of the uh, gospel Um, I mean, you know, the the New Testament books where it's like the church of, you know, uh, Ephesus, they had a great night of feet cleaning. I believe what he's teaching here is that it is our job to live and walk in humility, keep our feet clean and help others clean their feet. If you confess your sins one to another, pray that you'll be healed. There's a... Power, but I, I'm just going to tell you, it is very difficult for us to help others clean their feet when we aren't doing it ourselves. I mean, imagine Jesus walking up to the the, the first disciple, say, "Hey, John, I know you looked at that girl yesterday. I know you snuck a little sip of the wine." When you weren't supposed to. I know. And, he, and just start listing all of these sins. I'm going to clean your feet. And he goes to the next disciple. Hey, 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 hey. Like, and I think that's kind of how we feel that we've become as disciples. That we need to point out everybody else's mess. Jesus just, just got on the ground. He cleaned, cleaned the feet. He was acknowledging this reality. That we live in this place. That we are going to get our feet dirty. It doesn't mean that we look for places to get our feet dirty. It means that when we step in something, we deal with it. We clean it. But look at at this pattern. See, we learn to live low because out of this, we are happy, joyful, and blessed. Just like I read in verse 17. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Look at the pattern. And there is a pattern. I think we strive for happiness and we don't do anything. We don't do the pattern before. We want happiness, but we don't do what's before it, which is humility, holiness, and then happiness. Humility, holiness, and then happiness. If you needed any more conviction, I'm going to give it to you right here in James 4, verse 6. God opposes the proud. Opposes is against, opposes, but gives grace to the humble. If you're like, wow, I don't want to be humble. Like, humble people are weak. Humble people are blah, blah, blah. Well, if you're not humble, you're most likely proud. And if you're proud, God opposes you and will oppose that in you until it is changed. I think one of the most difficult places for us to live this out, I think sometimes it's easier for us, and and I'm going to use the term, but I don't mean it, um, it's easier for us to wash others' feet than it is those closest to us, like your spouse. Like Like you guys are going to get a crash course in humility. Like this is the perfect week to talk about humility because some of you are going to enter into a house with people that you don't like. On Thursday, and some of them are related to you. I've heard of the tension. I've heard of the like it's. I've been there. It's awkward, and I'm going to tell you that it is it is difficult. And I'm telling you, even now, getting into COVID conversations because there's a spectrum. Getting into political conversations, which there's a spectrum how we choose to walk in humility over the next four days, including Thursday, will be a lot determined on how or who we serve. Because if you haven't already, a small group my wife and I I are involved in called uh, The Dating Adventure, the book we're going through is Francis Chan's um, You and Me Forever. And I think it's chapter three, might be chapter four. It's called Fighting Well. And... You think, oh, I need to read that book because I want to fight well. I want to I learn how to fight. Like, oh, pressure point. They're down. I win. And the whole thing of, the whole chapter on fighting well is walking in humility. He, he made this comment in, uh, one of the, in that chapter. He says, what matters most, winning an argument or resembling Jesus? Our relationships are where we demonstrate what God is doing. Because we can, we can hide to the public. Because we, we leave. We leave them. Like you you can present yourself as humble and holy here in this hour in 15 minutes that you're in this building. And walk out of here and not be so. Where the people who know you, live with you, are close to you aren't deceived by your behavior in front of other people. The who you are in front of those that you love the most is a declaration of who you really are. It's the determiner. And so I I challenge you this week, I, I believe Jesus has called us to live low. And we cannot live low if we don't have our identity fixed on who we are in Christ. Because there will be some things that you lose in arguments. And it will hurt your pride. But I think the cost of winning is so much more destructive. What matters most, winning an argument or resembling Jesus? Live low. the last thing that I want to share... um, is this idea of keeping your feet clean. Just because you're a child of God doesn't mean that you don't have dirty feet. Sin is a part of life and we step in it all the time. We need to help each other clean our feet. And as we wrap what as we wrap our time in the word up What I encourage you to do, and this would typically be where we'd really use our prayer team up front, but because of coronavirus, you'll have to do it in your seat. But here's here's the beauty. Here's the beauty. The Holy Spirit is here in this room. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is here. ready, Ready, willing to minister to you right now. Because only you understand where your life is in the scale of humility. And if it's not where it should be, and you're a disciple, then you need to change something. And a lot of that, I believe, is dealing with our sin. It is very difficult for us to be what God has called us to be, to do the things that God has called us to do, if we're unwilling to deal with our own sin issues. And so I challenge you this morning, as we go into our last song, and I don't have to tell you, Like, I don't wish that I was prophetic enough that I could read everybody's sin issues. I mean, because I'd really only have to sacrifice one of you. And then the rest of you would be like, Yes, Lord, where do we take a knee? I mean, I would not do that. I would not do that. God has not given me that gift, probably because I'd use it improperly. Jody. Just kidding. (laughs) She's perfect. It's me that has the issue. So as we close, as the Holy Spirit, I believe, during this conversation has brought things to your attention that you know that you've been unwilling to deal with, deal with them. And if you can't deal with them by yourself, because I believe there's some things that we cannot overcome without help. And I don't mean just help from the Holy Spirit, which that is a, a prerequisite, but I mean help from others. There's some addictions, there's some things in our life that we need others to stand alongside of us to conquer it. And I encourage you that if you're struggling keeping them clean because of some specific issue that you feel that you cannot overcome, then invite somebody into that. And I know it's dangerous to invite somebody into that painful, potentially embarrassing area of your life but it's more dangerous and this is what you have to understand it's more dangerous to ignore it it's more dangerous to leave it alone and to let it grow and consume and destroy you so i'm going to read first john again and then i'm going to invite our worship team back up first john chapter one verse eight if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you felt called into being a child of God, if that's happened so far, God was not unaware, just like He was not unaware of who Judas was, what Judas was going to do, where Judas was going to end up, he knew from the beginning. When he received you as a son or daughter, he understood what he was getting. I think, I think we are fine with Jesus forgiving everything that we've done before we met him, and we struggle with him forgiving us in the middle. And I, I just want to tell you that if, if that's your thought or your theology, you're missing Jesus. Now, He is not okay with us just blatantly living in sin, but He's very okay in the grace and mercy when we humble ourselves. He is for us. That grace is there. And I just encourage you, if there's something going on in your life, deal with it today while worship is going on. Pray, invite Jesus to heal and I encourage you, invite someone else into that, somebody that you trust, that you can go, this is what's going on, I, I, need, I need help. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. Let's pray. Jesus, Jesus, You know our hearts. You know our actions. You know our sin. Just like you knew all the disciples' hearts, actions, attitudes, and sins, and you still got on the ground before them and washed their feet. Lord, let us see you as one that's still willing to get dirty for us. To bring righteousness, cleanse our sin so Lord let us be willing to confess and repent knowing that on the other side of that there's joy and happiness Lord for anyone in this room that's just struggling with the idea that Jesus would be happy with them period I pray that you would clarify who you are to them now through the Spirit. That there would be no question of how good and gracious and merciful you are who went to the cross and died for our benefit so that we could live with and in harmony with you in the Lord, thank You for Your grace and mercy. Thank You for Your patience as You work us to that point of trusting You, even with the things that hurt You. We pray these things.